Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 10 this morning. In this series, we've talked about the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. He then went on to say, I am the light of the world. He also today is going to tell us very clearly and very distinctly, I am the door to the sheepfold. Actually, this morning, we're going to fold three of those great I am statements into this message. He tells us he is the door. He tells us he is the good shepherd. And he tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The next week, we'll deal with the fact that he is the vine. So I encourage you to be back next Sunday morning as well for a great time in God's presence. Look with me to John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus said it this way from the New King James Version, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. When you read that same scripture from the Passion Translation, it reads this way. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. I want that to resonate in your spirit for just a moment. Jesus said, I'm the gateway. And if you enter through my gate, through me, you'll experience life. What did he say in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, we experience life, we experience freedom, and we experience satisfaction. You'll remember as we begin this series, we talked about the fact that the book of John reveals Jesus as God. The four, three other epistles reveal him in different facets, but John specifically focuses on the facts that Jesus is God, the Messiah, the promised one, the one coming to be the salvation and deliverance not only for Jews, but for all mankind. And in this scripture, Jesus said, I am the door, I am the gateway. I am that, that, that entryway, that portal that takes you to another life. Do we understand that when we walk through the door, through the gateway, he's promised us life. And not just life, but in John 10, 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Abundant life, rich life, full life, fulfilled life, satisfied life. We think about that so often and we try to define it in terms of the Western church. It's a wrong definition. It has nothing to do with how much you have and how much you can get and how much you can can. It has to do with the life you're living here and now. And may I say to you, the life Jesus describes is the same for the poorest person in Bangladesh as it is for the richest person who follows him in America. It's a life that is full and free and abundant, broken free of all chains and hindrances. It's a life that leads to complete fulfillment and satisfaction. Because when we look at life today, we realize there's a lot of things that are offered that bring no satisfaction. You go buy a new car and you've never seen one like it before, and as soon as you get in and start driving down the street, you see 20 others just like it. And then your sense of being special is gone. Or you buy a new house and move into another neighborhood and you think this is wonderful and then you realize it's just more to clean, more to pay taxes on, more to deal with every single day. Come on folks, there's a lot of things that life in this world offers us that don't bring satisfaction. 
But Jesus said, if you walk through the door, you'll find life, you'll find freedom, and you'll find satisfaction. When I read that and studied, I realized there is absolutely no reason for any born-again believer to be trapped or chained in the bondages of sin. Love the way you're shouting now, but I'm not going to stop. You see, you don't need to say, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, no, you can be delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. You don't need to say, I just can't kick this habit. You may not, but the life and the power of God in you can cause that to occur. You do not have to live the way you've always lived. There is new life, new freedom available through Jesus Christ. When we read these scriptures, it tells us that the truth of the gospel stands in stark contrast to the truth that's being espoused by culture, which really isn't a truth at all. Today, they would say, well, this is my truth. So what? Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true. What is the standard? What is the measuring stick for truth? It's the word of God. And when the Word of God declares it to be truth, then we can believe it and live our lives according to that pattern. See, in the Western church, we bought the lie that if I just give enough, I'll be good enough. If I just do enough, I'll be good enough. If I just involve myself in enough church activities, somehow God's going to let me in. No. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the gateway. Anybody who tries to get in any other way is a thief and a robber. Read it. It's right there in John chapter 10. I'm not making this stuff up. He's making it very clear to us that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Look around us today, and I mentioned this last week. The Christian church, and by that term I mean the church Universal in America, regardless of the denominational plan, evangelical, Protestant, Catholic, it doesn't matter. The church actually believes, many in the church actually believe in reincarnation. Are you kidding me? No, when you die, let me phrase it this way so it's not personal to you. When I die, we've already bought cemetery plots in Oklahoma City. And Yvonne's going to cry, my kids are going to cry, but they're going to put me in the ground. And this physical form will lie there until the trumpet of the Lord sounds and the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and together with him will be caught up together to meet him in the air and so so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, there's only two resurrections of this physical body. One is through the rapture. If you're a believer in serving Jesus Christ. The second is the resurrection that occurs before the great white throne judgment. Where every person who's denied him, refused him, is raised to be judged for their sins. And receive their eternal punishment. There's only two. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you may be in this life. There is no other way for this body to come back to life. Now, maybe you believe like some of the Eastern religions that, well, if I'm good enough, I'll come back as a better person. No, you won't. It's not going to happen. When you're dead, you're dead. They're going to throw dirt in your face. They're going to put a tombstone over your head. And in all likelihood, they'll tell some lies on that tombstone. 
It won't be true. You know what I want to put in my tombstone? He was a follower of Christ and he was a scoundrel. Yeah, put it out there. See, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by me or my works. It's through him and because of what he has done. You're not going to be reincarnated. You're not coming back as a cow. Some of you ought to be worried that if that were true, you'd come back as a snake. Now, think about that for a minute. The church today believes in meditation. And I don't mean meditating on the Word of God, because that's a scriptural principle. When you read, when you think about it, when you meditate on the Word of God, it brings life to you and direction to you. I'm talking about being able to, and let me use the right phrase here, free my mind, open my mind, empty my mind to what other influence may come in. May I tell you, if that's what you're doing, you're inviting Satan into your life. You're inviting the devil to come and be your partner, because anytime he sees an open mind, an empty mind, he rushes to fill it. The church believes in psychics. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure between the audience here and online, there would be some who would have to raise their hand and say, yeah, I called 1-800-PSYCHIC. Yeah, I called 1-800, I'm going to take your money. Because that's what it's all about. We need to understand that. When I was a kid growing up in western Oklahoma, we had a county fair every year. And the fair brought in the carnival. And we loved to go to the carnival. That's where you played the games, wasted too much money getting a trinket that wasn't worth it. You rode the rides and never got to see anywhere else. And I can remember I was probably 13, 14, somewhere in there, and this particular fall, they had a fortune teller with the carnival. For a dollar, she would tell you your future. So three or four of us ponied up our money, and we went in, and she began asking questions, questions all about who we are. Well, we determined we are going to tell her lies every time. We'd not tell her any of the truth. And so when she finally got all the information she thought she needed to have, then she told our fortune based on what we told her. Can I tell you, psychics do not know the mind nor the will of God. And if you're looking to that avenue, that median for direction, you will be completely and totally deceived and not find God's best for your life. Astrology. I've been amazed through the years how many Christians read their horoscopes every morning. Why would you do that? We don't open the book, but we open a horoscope? Are you kidding me? This is spirit. This is life. This is direction. That's nothing but garbage from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, stop seeking direction from the devil's means. And begin seeking direction by walking through the door who is Jesus Christ. And in today's world, we have such a quest for knowledge in the church. If I can just learn more, then I will be more. Listen, the only way you'll ever be more in Jesus Christ is by putting on his righteousness each and every day. By allowing his blood to cover you, cleanse you, purge you from all manner and aspects of sin. You will never be more by learning more. We talked about it last week. Gnosticism is a 
false doctrine that was combated in the New Testament by Paul and Titus and Jude and Peter and John, all believing that if we can only learn more, then we become like gods ourselves. Modern churches kind of tweaked that a little bit. And now we say, if I just believe the right things and speak the right things, then the right things will happen in my life. That's a pretty poor theology. Do I believe in a positive attitude? I believe Jesus gives you a positive attitude. I believe he completely overhauls you, remodels you, carried out the old, brings in the new. But it doesn't come from the power of your mind. It comes from the power of the Spirit of God who raised Christ up from the dead and now dwells in you. Devilish ideas that lead us away from the true door. See, John 10, 9 is actually an open invitation. It's an invitation to anyone who will believe in Jesus Christ and walk through the door. It's an invitation that's not restricted by race, by the color of your skin, by your social status, by your educational level, by your country of origin, by the culture you came from. It's an invitation that's universal to all mankind. If you come through the door, if you walk through the gate, you'll find life and freedom and satisfaction. Another huge problem in today's church, not just in America, but around the world, is this aspect of, I don't worship with you because you don't look like me or you don't sound like me. I got news for you. Heaven's probably going to be a pretty unfriendly place to you. Because heaven is comprised of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords has nothing to do with the color of your skin, the language you speak, where you were born. It has to do with, are you born again? Jesus said, I'm the door, I'm the gateway. And there's no restriction on it to anyone who's willing to listen and then to believe and step through that door. It leads to life and freedom. And satisfaction. There's doors all around these buildings, this building. And when you walk out of one of these doors, it takes you to another place. But if you never walk through a door, you'll never leave this sanctuary. You'll stay right here. You'll never move. In order to transition to another place, you got to walk through the door. And when you walk through the door, it takes you out on Main Street. From there, you can walk through a door and go to the preschool wing. From there, you can walk through a door and go to the chapel. From there, you can walk through a door and go to the fellowship hall. You can walk through another door and go to the cafe. You can go down the hall and walk through many doors into all the classrooms. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you need to understand if you're going to walk through the door, you got to get up from where you're at and move out. This is for somebody today. You've been around God and around the gospel, and you have never walked through the door. Listen, you come to church, that doesn't get you any brownie points. You serving, that doesn't get you any brownie points. The only thing that's going to give you access to eternal life in heaven is walking through the door, Jesus Christ. Believing in Him, accepting Him, asking Him to be your Lord and your Savior. And when you do, it leads you to a life of mercy and grace and fulfillment and satisfaction. When Jesus said, I am the door, 
It's an invitation to salvation, an invitation to a new way of life. And it's a life then that's marked by faith in Him, love for God and love for one another, and plugging in and building the kingdom of God. See, there's too many people that believe, well, I said a prayer one time, so I'm good. No, folks, that's not where it ends. We say a prayer. We ask God to forgive us, to come into our hearts and to our lives, to be our Lord and Savior. But we can't stop there. Because He wants to move us through the door into all the benefits of eternal life. All the benefits of knowing God as our Heavenly Father. And even more than that, which is the amazing thing, He invites us to put our hand in His and accomplish His mission with Him. Have you ever thought about it? God could have sent angels, heavenly ambassadors, heralders of the gospel. But no, He didn't do that. He chose to take you and me. He chose to take it with our faults and our wrinkles and our blemishes. And He chose to pour His grace and His mercy into us and cover us in His blood. He chose you and He chose me to fulfill His mission. Yet too many say, I just said a prayer, I'm good. No, not until you've been partnering with the Master. Working in His vineyard, doing what He asks you to do. You're not where He wants you to be. I know it's challenging when we walk through the door. Because it means we have to leave behind some things. Nobody likes it when I talk like this. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about the clothesline or religion. But I am saying to you that when you come to Jesus Christ, there are things in your life that need to be left behind. You need to bury them in an unmarked grave and never go back to visit them again. There are things in your life that need to be gone from your life when you accept Christ as your Savior. Everybody's on both. Oh, board, yeah, we'll give up alcohol and drugs, no problem. We'll give up tobacco, no problem. Let's deal with where the rubber really meets the road. How about your addiction to things on the internet? How about the fact that you get your gospel from TikTok preachers? Some of you laugh. Some of you need to hang your head and say, oh, that's me. You cannot encapsulate the truth of the gospel in a 30-second clip. It's impossible. And if that's your sum total of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to be one weird Christian. You're going to be stunted. You will not grow. You'll not develop as God wants you to develop. Some things you need to leave behind. Some people you need to leave behind. So when you come to Christ, He calls you to run with a new crowd. A different crowd. He calls you to be a part of His church, His body, His family. And there will be those that are in your life today that won't be in your life tomorrow because you decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. And the way He wants me to go is vastly different from the way that I have been. What He wants to do in me is completely different from anything I've ever done before. And some of the people who have been hanging on to your coattails and you've been dragging them through life, are going to fall away. See, because this thing about walking through the door, it's personal. You can't walk through the door for someone else. 
Just because grandma was a believer doesn't mean you're a believer. Just because your mama prayed every day doesn't mean that you're good. It's personal. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has to determine, will I walk through the door? Will I enter the gates? Or will I turn away? And if I enter the gate, some things are going to pass from my life. And in that moment, we recognize it can be a challenge to surrender to the grace of God. It can be a challenge to surrender to the call of God upon our life. It can be a challenge to begin to do what he's asking us to do. It can be a challenge to stand in faith when times are hard. It can be a challenge to remain steadfast in hope when we see no reason to hope. That's why we need to understand he's already prepared the way for us. Jesus said to the woman at the well, the time is coming and now is when they who worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I don't know why I'm back on this again this morning, but somebody needs to hear it. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And if your worship is predicated on the songs you hear, what other people are doing, whether you like it or you don't like it, you're not worshiping Jesus, you're worshiping yourself. I've said this so many times. When you come to a corporate worship setting, and this is the downside to corporate worship, there are so many distractions, so many things going on around us, people coming in, going out. People doing things we're not familiar with. Someone's raising their hand. Someone's clapping. Someone's speaking in a heavenly language. We don't understand any of that. And it becomes a distraction to us because we're focused on what we see. Not the God who is a spirit, who demands that we worship him in spirit and in truth. When you and I come to the point that we can say, if there's no music, if I don't know the language, if there isn't a song that I like, I'm still going to worship Him. Until we come to the point where we say, I've walked through the gate, and I'm going to enter into the fullness of life Jesus has for me. And that means my eyes are off of me because I die daily to myself, and my eyes are on Him. I'm going to focus on Him. We have so commercialized corporate worship. I believe it grieves the heart of God. Because God's looking for worship from clean hands and pure hearts. See, we have made corporate worship about the personality that's on the platform. Not about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus said, I'm the door. Anybody who tries to get in any other way is a thief and a robber. Well, that's pretty strong language. His words, not mine. It's there, John chapter 10. Read it. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to the Father. There are not many ways to eternal life in heaven. There's one way. I'm already in trouble. I'll just say it. You can be the best Muslim in the world, but you're still going to split hell wide open because there's one way. You can be the best Buddhist in the world. You can evolve in your thinking, but you're still going to split hell wide open because there's one way. 
You can be the best of whatever you call it, but if you don't come through the gate, you're still going to split hell wide open because there is one way. There are not many ways. Culture wants you to believe that. And that's a lie devised and spewed from the pit of hell through the mouth of talking heads. There is only one way, and that's through the man, Jesus Christ. I'm the door, he said. Anybody else who tries it again is a thief and a robber. And when we walk through that door, then things begin to change in our lives. Have you ever read Romans chapter 7? Paul is talking about the weakness of his flesh and how what he doesn't want to do, he does. And what he does want to do, he doesn't. And he says, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? In Romans 8 chapter 1, he says, I love these words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to him that is in Christ Jesus, who walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, somebody, say it to yourself today. I don't live under condemnation. I walk through the gate, and there is no condemnation in my life, because I know Jesus. When you feel condemned, oh, let me boil it down a little narrower. When people condemn you, Recognize the spirit that's operating in them. And it's not of God. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again. I'm very careful about who I allow to speak into my life or pray for me. Because I want to know their life. I want to know the real, the genuine, that they walk through the gate. So don't be offended either online audience or you here in this sanctuary. But if I don't know you and know your life, there is no way... You're going to speak into me over me. You say, well, that's pretty narrow. It's the way we protect our relationship with the Father. People will often speak condemnation to you. Its origin is in the pit of hell. Holy Spirit never condemns you. Jesus never condemns you. Will He convict you of your sin? Absolutely. But with that conviction, He brings a way out. With condemnation, there is no way out. You're stuck right where you're at. I am so thankful. He wrote Romans 8.1. Therefore there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. So thankful he wrote Romans 12.1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul wrote it this way to the church at Philippi in chapter 1, verse 6, the book of Philippians. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you shall perform it until the coming of Jesus Christ. Well, come on, folks, when you read those scriptures, there's nothing about condemnation. It's all about transformation. It's all about God doing a work deep in your heart every single day of your life. Just because you said a prayer doesn't mean you're done. That's the beginning of where God wants to take you. He wants to transform you. So how do we walk through the gate? We know He is the gate. He is the How do we walk through it? There's only one thing required. Search the scripture. There's only one thing required to walk through that gate. And that is faith in Jesus Christ. 
that you believe he is who he says he is, you believe he did what he said he did, and you believe that every promise he's spoken through his word shall come to pass. Faith is the only thing that's required. People say, well, I have no faith. That's a lie from the pit of hell. See, Ecclesiastes 3.11, the scripture says that God put eternity in their hearts. Every person walking on planet earth, whoever has or ever will be, has received a deposit from the Heavenly Father. A deposit of something that can only be matured and magnified and grow by God himself. And no matter where we search or what we do or what we read, it will never be satisfied till we walk through the gate. That gate is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is required to enter. That's why we understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a necessary element, absolutely required. We need to understand that. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast, but it is a gift of God. We walk through the gate by faith in Jesus Christ. Say, well, I don't have any faith. You're denying Scripture again. Because Paul wrote to the Romans, in Romans chapter, I believe it's 10, God has given to every man a measure of faith, whereby he won't think more highly of himself than he ought. In other words, God's given you enough faith to measure your life against the standard of a holy and a righteous God. And when we exercise that faith, and we see who God is and what God is doing in us and through us, then it leads us to believing in Him. Jesus said in the text, anyone who walks through the door will be saved. Anyone who walks through the gate will find life. And when we're in those tough spots, when there's no more questions than answers, more bills than money, more sickness than wellness, more chaos and confusion in our relationships than there is peace and unity, when we're in those tough spots, it's your faith in Jesus Christ that He is who He says He is. He will do what He says He will do that will see you through. If you're in this room this morning and you've ever stood in that place of faith, believing God for an answer you could not see, and God came through, would you throw up your hand and say, that's me? See, He does it. He does it. He does it not once, but again and again and again. And we get there to that place of victory by faith in Him. Believing in the unseen promises of a living God. Even when our circumstances say otherwise. That's why Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He said, for I consider, or I reckon, I like the way the King James says it, I reckon that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to compare to the glory that awaits me. And then we read on down in verse 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we don't know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
Oh, you've been there. You didn't know what to pray. You didn't know what to do. But here's the good news. When you walk through the gate, there is a helper every step of the way. There is a comforter. There is a guide. Holy Spirit is there to reveal to you, to pray for you, to make intercession for you. And then the scripture, everybody knows Romans 8, 28. I love the scripture. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Oh, come on, folks. When you walk through the gate, when you experience life and freedom and satisfaction in Jesus Christ, then you can say, it doesn't matter what it looks like out here. I've heard the word of the Lord and the word of faith is nigh me, even in my mouth. And I will resist what I see out here and I will believe what He has already spoken into me and over me because... His faith is activated in me. I need to hurry. Jesus said, if anyone walks through the door, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. That promise isn't just about eternal life. It's about life today as well. He followed it up in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he said, the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. He makes it very clear it's not just about getting to heaven. For far too long, the church has said, all I want to do is get to heaven. Well, how about taking some folks with you? How about making the party a little bigger? How about making the invitation open to everyone around you? I can't imagine going to heaven and Yvonne not being there. Not that we're going to be married in heaven. That's not a true doctrine. Not that we're going to be angels. That's a false doctrine. But we will know as we are known. I can't imagine going there and my kids and my grandkids not following me and going there as well. See, folks, too often... We have so privatized our faith that we don't want to offend someone and as a result, we are condemning them to a devil's hell. Can I challenge you to open your mouth, speak words of life and speak words of truth and draw them to Jesus Christ? Because it's imperative. God put you in their life for such a time as this and your voice is the voice that brings salvation and conviction into their heart and into their life. See this invitation, I am the doors to everyone. Regardless of our past, regardless of our failures, regardless of our shortcomings. And the invitation is a testimony to God's grace and God's mercy. But we have to act upon it. We have to walk through by faith. In the tough times, believers, we have to stand in faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. You understand what he's saying, right? From the moment you draw your first breath until the day you die, this body's dying. Cells die every single day in you. This physical life is a journey of death. But even though we're wasting away, Inwardly, 
We are being renewed day by day. My body may get weak. My body may get sick. My body may get frail. I may need a cane or a walker or a bed fast. But my inward man is not wasting away. The Spirit of God that resides in my spirit is strong and mighty and powerful. And even though there are physical limitations, it doesn't stop what the Spirit of God does in me. Oh, come on, somebody. Get that in your heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, every now and then my wife does something really mean to me. She pulls up a picture from 10 or 15 years ago. My hair was black. There were no wrinkles on my face. I had a full mustache. And then I look at that picture and then I look at myself in the mirror and think, yeah, dude, you're dying every single day. It's happening. The wrinkles are there. Some of you caused some of those wrinkles, by the way. The gray hairs are there. We'll blame those on my kids. But the inward man is growing stronger because... We aren't focusing on what we see. We're focusing on what is unseen. We're focusing that every promise in the book is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. If you don't, you should memorize it. It's only six verses. David wrote it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Understand, he's the gate. He's the entryway into the sheepfold. And David is saying, he is my shepherd. And I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You may not understand this, but that's an agrarian term. When you see livestock laying in a field, do you know why they're laying down? Someone says they're tired. No, they're not tired. They're laying down because they're full. They're content. They have all that they want and all that they need. So they can lay down, and those cows will lay there and chew their cud. Those sheep will lay down there and put their, their head on their forearms and go to sleep. David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, I have all I need. I am content. I am full. I am satisfied because of my good shepherd. We look at things that are not seen, not the things that are seen. He restores my soul. And he goes on to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For your rod and your staff are with me and they comfort me. He said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for a minute. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord Sunday morning from 1030 to 12. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord anytime I read his word. No, he said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. 
Because Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gateway that leads to every promise of God being fulfilled in our lives. One last scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said it this way. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, I can't help but believe there's some of you here today, you're just tired. You're worn out. The struggle is too much for you. You've tried everything with no solution and no answers. Isn't it time to walk through the door? Isn't it time to walk through the gate and receive life and freedom and satisfaction? Stand to your feet with me across this room. Tom, when you come back, just begin that song, The Great I Am. Let me tell you one more time, as we worship in just a few moments, it's not about you. It's about Him. Stop making it about you and make it about Jesus. You're in this room this morning and you say, you just talked about me. I am tired. I am worn out. I have no answers. I don't know what to do. I need some help. Can I encourage you? Walk through the gate. Walk through the gate. Come and receive and accept what Christ has done for you. Let Him become the Lord of your life. As Tom begins to sing, that's you. I'm talking about you right now. Talking to you right now. The Spirit of God is drawing you and convicting you. Not condemning you, convicting you. And showing you there's another way to live. A new, a better, a living way. That's you. As Tom begins to sing, slip up that hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. That's me. I want to walk through that gate today. I want to find rest. Yes. I want to find rest for my soul. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I want to find rest for my soul. Slip it up and hold it there. I want to find rest for my soul. I'm weary with the fight, weary with the struggle, and I can't keep going like I've been going. I need what He offers. Others, everyone who slipped up your hand, step out from where you're standing and come meet me right here in this altar. We're going to pray together. You're going to walk through the door, through the gate. Come on. Don't wait for anybody else. Come right now. You're going to walk through the gate. You're going to walk through the door. And God's going to bring peace and rest into your soul and into your spirit. He's going to break off those things that need to be broken off. And He's going to give you reason for life. Come on. There's several more. I'm waiting on you. Step out and come this morning. This is your moment, your time, your opportunity. You don't have to be weary and heavy laden any longer. He's already said, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. We're waiting for you. Come on. Come on. We're waiting for you this morning. We're waiting for you. Come. He'll give you rest. If you know someone that's came forward this morning, I want you to step out and come stand behind them. I'm going to pray for them in just a moment, but I want you to pray for them as well because this life with Christ is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived in partnership, in unison, in unity with those that are members of the family of God. 
Step out and come. Let's pray for one another this morning. As Tom begins to sing, and you're in this room today, you've been struggling with illness or disease. You need a touch of God in your body. I invite you to come. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray the prayer of faith and believe that God will touch you and bring healing into your life today. Come on, Tom, sing it out as we begin to pray for these individuals. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.